0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Former Bengals linebacker, Takiyo Spikes. I was frustrated because you can
2: tell certain coaches' hands are tied. It's like... What are we doing? You know, what are we here for?
1: We've got Tim McGee. Since uh, uh, Zach Taylor has come in uh, as the head coach, you really didn't know what to expect from them. Bengals wide receiver Tyler Boyd joining us. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean,
2: it, it's fun to me when I when I get to go home and play the Steelers.
1: Bengals running back, Vicky Woods.
2: Yeah, I am surprised, but I'm also happy, uh, happily surprised that they... Uh, they starting to start step up to the plate and spend a little money. I am Matt Minick, and this is Shock Talk. I
1: think anybody who follows Cincinnati football on all three levels, those are guests. Sam Hubbard, the defensive end for the Cincinnati Bengals. We had a lot of, you know, kinks and stuff that we worked through the first year, and now we're, we're really able to focus on the details. None other than Ike Taylor.
2: Before, is like excellence. Uh, excellent Ocho, for the most part, I would give the edge because he was more healthier right now than than AJ. Um, if you catch a healthy AJ, you catch in hell. What's up, everybody?
1: It's Anthony Cazenza with CincyJungle.com and the Orange and or Black Insider Bengals podcast. Happy Tuesday to you. Sorry that we did not come to you on Monday with, with the news and notes and water cooler chat that we usually do. Life happened. It was a holiday for some of you anyway, so hopefully you enjoyed the holiday weekend, and uh, you know, I, I feel a little flaky, guys. I apologize. You know, I, I I said that we were consistent on Mondays. We didn't do it yesterday on Monday, and then I said for those of you who follow us at BanglesOBI on Twitter, I said. Hey, we're going, we're going 2 p.m., 2 p.m. Eastern. We're going to be there. And here we are, an hour late. So uh life is getting in the way, but I'm glad that all of you are joining us, regardless. We we've got some news and notes with the Bengals, the AFC North, and the NFL to get to. Um i have seen a lot of hellos. Call me Mark. Happy Tuesday. Robert Roark. Hey, hey, JC, how you doing? Everybody, Chris Hubbard. Good to see all of you guys. Rob Friend. Uh all, all, all of you. Great to see all of you. Um Rob, friend, uh, Cincinnati got a a lot of snow yesterday. Um, so <laughs> he he worded it a little differently, a little a little more PG thirteen. But yeah, if you are in Cincinnati area, in the Kentucky area, hopefully you are all staying. And in Texas, I guess there's a there's a crazy. Uh, some crazy weather going on in Texas. Stay safe, especially if you are forced to drive. If you are forced to be out in the elements, please stay safe. Um, to be be careful on the roads and all that kind of stuff. We, uh, we're, we're hoping for the best for all of you as you go and brace through all those elements. Hey, let's get to some news and notes. There's a lot to get to once again on the water cooler chat. Why do we call it the water cooler chat? In case you're new around these parts we do that because whether you are in a virtual office whether you're back in a true office setting a lot of times all of us get together and talk a little football talk some sports and when it comes to the cincinnati Bengals, when it comes to the nfl you can sound like the most educated person in your office in terms of Bengals news nfl news all that good stuff um chris Howard, can we get a video of john shoveling snow i don't know i'll have to ask i'll have to ask him if he's out there shoveling we'll uh, we'll be back on the air tomorrow night so maybe he's Maybe he's been shoveling some snow. I don't know. I don't have that issue where I live, thankfully. That doesn't sound like a fun chore. So I don't have that issue in Southern California. Thankfully, thankfully. But I feel for all of you who have to have to do that. All right. Hey, let's get to it. I'm going to start sharing my screen here. Uh, and we can go through. Some of these are from cincyjungle.com. Some of them are from nfl.com, from Twitter, all that good stuff. And we're going to run through them. Let's start with some unfortunate news, and I believe it was my colleague, yeah, John Sheeran, who shared this one on cincyjungle.com. Adam Jones arrested in Hamilton County, charged with assault, apparently. According to a report, he, quote, punched and kicked a person in the head until the person was unconscious, so more details. There is an update here. Uh, The person Jones assaulted, according to Cincinnati police officers, was a security guard for the nightclub clutch otr 37 year old kevin sheets was streets excuse me was allegedly punched and kicked in the head by jones until he lost consciousness earlier on monday our own um zim zim Hude, um apparently he uh, in, unless there was something I, I misunderstood there but he had uh reached out to adam jones i guess and adam jones called this you know a, a farce of a report we'll see what happens there but Um, You know, this is unfortunately part of who Adam Jones is. He talked about, um, you know, drunken disorderly conduct two years ago. There was, um, you know, uh, the thing in Las Vegas that unfortunately led to someone being uh, uh, paralyzed and handicapped from, uh, I believe, the waist down. You know, there's a lot of different stuff that goes on that has gone on in Adam Jones' life in terms of legal troubles. He was, um, you know, there was the incident, I think, even before when he was still in Cincinnati, I think he hit a woman at a, at a, at a bar. I mean, there's, there's just kind of a long, um, a long line of stuff. So, and then of course he did reveal that he is bipolar in April of last year, you know, potentially explaining some of the the behavioral issues that, that Jones is experiencing. But, um, unfortunately not to start the show off with a sour note, but the, um, you know, the rap sheet's kind of long. So we'll see what happens here with Adam Jones. Hopefully he can write the ship and stay out of trouble. I know he started a couple of business ventures and, um, you know, uh, yeah. John said he also went on the Pat McAfee show to explain what happened. So, um, you know, it's just unfortunate, you know, he's a guy that even, you know, he's getting close to 40 and, you know, this kind of stuff continues to follow him. Unfortunately, let's Move on, and we can kind of do a little two-prong here. Uh, The the Bengals, some of their team leaders, Joe Mixon and Tyler Boyd, being a couple of them, they are really the social media recruiters. Um, They've talked about some coaches, some players, all that kind of stuff. And Tyler Boyd was trying to recruit recently J.J. Watt, who was recently released by the Houston Texans, another NFL piece of news, in case you did not hear that one. Um, <laughs> another PG 13 tweet by Tyler Boyd. Uh, he adds JJ Watt Bengals, bro. Let's turn this stuff up. Uh, <laughs> but the, you know, Watt surprisingly had an 85.5 pro football focus grade. Uh, you know, I, I didn't expect him to be that high. I just didn't didn't seem to pop off the film as much as he has in certain other years, but was uh, obviously still an effective player. Um, Just a very, you know, Hall of Fame career. We'll see how much he has left in the tank. It sounds like a lot of players, Deshaun Watson requesting a trade, J.J. Watt requesting his release. A lot of people are disenchanted. A lot of players are disenchanted as to the direction of the Houston Texans. So he is now a free agent. Um, Tyler Boyd is pounding the table. The Bengals need edge, edge rush help. Carl Lawson is a guy who will be a free agent. Um, they've got Sam Hubbard, uh, but uh, you know, behind that after unloading Carlos Dunlap in a trade last year, the Bengals need some edge rush help. It is presumed that they will make a push for uh, Sha- Shaquille Barrett of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers two years after they initially pursued him and then pulled a contract off the table. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago on the, on the water cooler chat. So, the Tyler Boyd is is trying to get J.J. Watt to come to Cincinnati. Now, on that same note here, it sounds like J.J. Watt is enamored with coming somewhere in Ohio. I like to kind of go Bengals first and then AFC North, but since this was, this was Bengals and then you know we're talking about J.J. Watt, uh, Mary Kay Cabot of uh, the Cleveland Plain Dealer. Um, or cleveland.com rather. Uh, He is serious. So this is via Twitter. He is seriously considering the Browns as one of his options because they have a lot of what he wants. Uh, A lot of what he wants is probably a young, um, you know, whatever your thoughts are on Baker, a pretty good quarterback, a good running game and a team that went to, you know, the divisional round of the playoffs. They beat Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh last year in the playoffs. So, you know, um, this is a team that's, you know, probably he feels is pretty close are the Cleveland Browns. We'll see if how, how accurate that is. But um, JJ Watt is apparently seriously considering joining the Browns. Obviously the money will be, would be there need to be there. It's all, you know, obviously it's a bit closer in terms of where he grew up in Wisconsin and, and went to school and whatnot. So uh, geographically it would make a little more sense than, than where he was in Houston. But We'll see what happens there. That would be a scary lineup if JJ Watt does indeed have a lot in the tank. That would be a scary lineup for the Cincinnati Bengals in terms of Miles Garrett and JJ Watt and others on that defense. You know, they've got a lot of pieces there, and the Bengals would really, really, really need to bolster their offensive line if JJ Watt were to join the Browns as it, as it sounds like he may. So a little bit of scary news. (laughs) If you're a Bengals fan there, um, not, not the greatest news, especially if you are a Bengals fan that wants JJ Watt to come to Cincinnati to have him go to one of your most fierce rivals, not the best, not the best news there. Let's keep rolling on. We just talked about the, Bengals needing offensive line help in the wake of JJ Watt potentially joining the Browns here, and we've got this. In case you did not see this, the Bengals Brian Callahan says he would not, he would prefer to not move Jonah Williams to guard. So one of the elements that the Bengals that could be in discussion, say for instance, the Bengals draft, uh, draft a Panay Sewell after a Panay Sewell or Rashawn Slater after doing something in free agency, whether it's getting a, a tackle, whether it's getting a Taylor Moton, a, um, a Daryl Williams, or, or, you know, Matt Filer in free agency. And one of those guys who, who they think could play right tackle. So you potentially would have Panay Sewell, Rashawn Slater as your left tackle. Um, and then one of these free agents as your right tackle replacing Bobby Hart. Maybe they even stick with Bobby Hart because the Bengals seem to like him far more than many of us on the outside do, and there's talk that maybe Jonah Williams would be better suited at guard. A lot of you, well, some of you may not remember this, but when Jonah Williams was coming out in the draft, a lot of draft pundits, or some of them rather, would would were thinking that Jonah Williams is going to be a better guard in the NFL because of the arm length. Um, he doesn't have the longest arms. Ideal arm length at as a tackle in the NFL. I, kn- I remember Daniel Jeremiah definitively thought that he was going to be an elite guard at the next level. Um, maybe a a, a pretty good tackle. That was kind of the take from Jeremiah of NFL.com. And we'll we'll hear from him in just a second too, but that's not seemingly in the cards for Brian Callahan, the Bengals offensive coordinator. They don't want to move him inside. They like what they saw there, even in limited snaps. You see here, um, Quote, Jonah played only a handful of games at left tackle and played well. I see Jonah as a young, ascending tackle, and to move him at this point off the tackle spot would probably be a disservice to him. That's not to say that's not possible or could never happen, but I just think he's done some really good things as a tackle so far. To move him off of that in this point in his career would be a disservice to him. So, um, you, know, there, you know, what's also interesting here is – it wasn't, and that was via bangles.com, by the way, that quote um, from Brian Callahan. What's also interesting to note about that is he didn't say, I, I'm not opposed to moving him to the right side necessarily in terms of being a right tackle. We draft a left tackle. We bring in a left tackle, that sort of thing. So that was, it's a little telling, I guess, in some regards that he did not go that route with Jonah Williams. Hey, we're, we're opposed to moving him to the right side one of the things if, if you watched our show last Wednesday with John Sheeran and myself um, you know, there was, there was a, um, an option he threw out Robinson, the tackle of the Jaguars, who's an impending free agent. You know, he could be a guy that the Bengals look at putting at left tackle if they bring him in via free agency. And then you would move Jonah to right tackle. And that's what they did at Alabama with those two guys. So, um, you know, you'd have uh, when Jonah was earlier in his career. So you know that's that's something that could be on the table for discussion. But for right now, the Bengals prefer not to go the route of kicking Jonah inside. There's a major issue at left guard. You know, I I had high hopes personally for Michael Jordan. I still think that the potential is there because he's so young, but there are, you know, there's been a lot that he's put out on film that has been, that's left a lot to be desired. The Bengals need to figure out what they're doing with Quentin Spain. They need to figure out the right guard spot. You know, if you were to able, if you were able to you know, draft a guy, also get a guy in free agency, two different tackles, and you move Jonah Williams inside, you you would seemingly solve a lot of issues on the offensive line. But it seems as if they view, and rightfully so in a lot of respects, they view Jonah, ta- uh, Jonah Williams as a tackle, probably a left tackle. So we'll see if those words are hollow come draft time, come free agency with what the Bengals are going to do. There's some reports out there that the Bengals are going to throw some big money at offensive linemen, whether that's a guard or a tackle. We're not completely sure yet, but it sounds as if the Bengals will be at least somewhat big spenders in free agency, which would be a refreshing change, especially in back-to-back off seasons. That would be a refreshing change comparative to what we've seen in years past. Again, I'm Anthony Kazenza. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast, part of the Cincy Jungle Podcast Network. Happy to have you joining us live, or if you're downloading us after the live stream, thank you for doing so. Please leave us a review on your favorite streaming platforms. We're on all of them, so check us out. Get the program how you can. Try and join us live when we, when we go live. We appreciate the support, and it's great to, to have all of you with us, joining us today on Tuesday. Usually this is up on Monday afternoon for you all, but happy to have you joining us Tuesday. The Cincinnati Bengals are kind of once again, last year when the Bengals had this nice draft, they had the good free agency, and in the summer all of a sudden they got the buzz a little bit. Peter Schrager of NFL Network and um, some, some folks at CBS and others were saying, you know, this is a team on the rise right now. This is a team that could compete for the playoffs right now. Well, they lost a lot of the one-score games. They, they had to get in a lot of shootouts. They had to put a lot on Joe Burrow as a rookie without any training camp, really, um, or any preseason games. So they put a lot on their rookie quarterback. Ultimately, he got hurt, and things kind of fell apart. Well, now they've got a top-five pick again this year, potentially poised, to spend some money in free agency, as I mentioned earlier. And now we've got some people jumping on the bandwagon early again, at least in terms of those at CBS Sports. They say that they are primed to make a major leap in 21. This is courtesy of Jason Markham, lead guy at cincyjungle.com. Basically they, uh, they wrote they've won six games, and this is from Cody Benjamin, of CBS sports. They've won six games in two years with Zach Taylor, six games combined, plus the tie, plus the tie. Can't forget the tie, but boy, Oh boy. Will Joe Burrow's return under center, give them an adrenaline boost for the second straight offseason? season. The Bengals also have a ton of money to play with, meaning they can continue to surround their young quarterback with talent. Maybe it's up front, Please. Maybe it's another weapon to fill out an already promising wide receiver core. Either way, if Burrow can stay upright since he should easily be bound for an improvement over 411 and 1, it helps that rivals like the Steelers could be due for regression as they battle age cap issues and quarterback questions. So CBS Sports is they they are a fan of the direction the Bengals are heading based on their last year's draft class, last year's free agency, guys getting healthy, coming back, Joe Burrow, DJ Reader, many, many others. And then, of course, the high picks that they have this year. You know, again, with the top five pick that they have and the top pick in, in the second round, you're kind of getting almost another first rounder like you did with T. Higgins last year. You're getting a guy who, by all, by all rights, should be a first round talent. That's usually how it happens with those first handful of picks in the second round. With that, with where the Bengals are slated to pick, that should be a first round talent that they are grabbing in that spot. Now, who knows if they move back, collect more picks, or you know what they end up doing. But the Bengals should be in a good position to improve their roster, both just by guys getting guys back healthy, but also in in additions in free agency more, you know, hopefully this year too. There are the preseason games. Not to get guys injured, but to get them more experience. This is still a young team, they, and they're going to get even younger when they're shedding, supposedly shedding the contracts of Geno Atkins. It sounds like AJ Green's not going to be back, so there's some of your your older guys that are probably not going to be retained on this on this team. You already let go of another veteran guy in Carlos Dunlap, so this team's getting younger. And when you've got a bunch of second year guys, third year guys, and and they're not. They didn't have the preseason last year. They had a watered-down training camp. You know, hopefully things start to normalize this year where guys can potentially do that and have uh, a little bit more game-like experience with with the preseason and whatnot. And, uh, you know, with, with the new additions and this team being young, they would need that. But I think that, like CBS Sports says, I think a lot of us feel that they are headed in the right direction. They've made some good picks. Now, if they impress us once again, with what they do in free agency and in the draft, then it's going to be up to the coaches. It's going to be up to the coaches to perform and mine that talent out of some of these guys, because, um, you know, another, you know, four win season, even six wins, depending on what this roster looks like and how a lot of people perceive it. Even six wins may not be enough this year. Uh, Even if there is perceived growth, you know, I, I think that may not be enough to, for, for a lot of people to, to, put belief into this coaching staff. I think this team needs to make a pretty significant step forward in terms of its record wins, losses and overall performances in close games, all of that. I think there needs to to be some statement. I, I hope we can all agree on that, that there needs to be kind of some more statement wins. There needs to be some of these closeout wins that you have in the pocket late in the game that you should, you should hang on to those and uh, it would reflect in your record obviously but it would just kind of reflect in terms of the growth that the team is showing so that is at least a a ray of sunshine in terms of potential optimism from cbs sports
2: there support for this show comes from sylvan learning as a parent you want your child to have every opportunity but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge that takes a team
1: Let's keep rolling with some things here. Uh, Let's go to, I I talked about this a little bit with the Bengals needing offensive line help. I guess I should have brought this in here. This Daniel Jeremiah brought out his of NFL.com. I was just talking about him earlier. Um, Daniel Jeremiah brought out his mock draft 2.0. Now the first go around Daniel Jeremiah had the Bengals taking Rashawn Slater with Panay Sewell still on the board he had Sewell going number 10 all the way to number 10 to the Cowboys which shocked a lot of people because a lot of people are some people seem to be convinced that there is no way in hell that Panay Sewell is going to be available when the Bengals go on the clock at number five I'm telling you that it definitely is a possibility it's a strong possibility He's not there but it we see this every year, guys. We see this every year that we say, there's no way that guy's here. There's no way that guy's going to be there when the Bengals pick. There's no way that guy's going to be. And lo and behold, there are players available that we all swore up and down were not going to be available, and yet there they are. So there is a distinct possibility that that Pene Sewell could be gone by the time the Bengals pick. There is a distinct possibility that he could be available because of the amount of quarterbacks that seem to be slated to go within the top five, top 10 in this draft. So here we go right here. Speaking of the quarterbacks, Jacksonville Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence at number one, Zach Wilson at number two. You've got Jamar Chase, one of the guys that the a lot of us think is and will be a Bengals target at number five, especially depending on how these first four picks play out. They have him going to the Dolphins at number three overall. Then you have the Falcons getting the air to Matt Ryan, Justin Fields, the Ohio State quarterback, and here he is right here, Panay Sewell, Cincinnati Bengals, number five overall here. And uh, he mentions Kyle Pitts. That's another guy who's been mocked to the Bengals. Jamar Chase has been a guy that's been mocked to the Bengals, but he has Sewell going here and not Slater. So uh, Panay Sewell is the pick for the Bengals by Daniel Jeremiah in his most recent mock draft. Now, Pitts goes the next pick later to the Eagles because apparently the Eagles are shopping Zach Ertz. We're going to talk about that in just a second too. So they've got Dallas Godert, but they are uh, trying to shop Zach Ertz for a trade. And uh, if they were to do that, then Kyle Pitts, he says, would be their pick. And then, of course, you've got some others. Trey Lance going to the uh, Panthers at number eight. There is a report as well that just came out today that the Panthers are going to give up whatever is necessary for them to be able to trade for Deshaun Watson. So that's another headline out there that's been hitting the, the airwaves recently. The, uh, the Panthers are looking to to potentially make a splash and get Deshaun Watson and pair him with Joe Brady in Carolina. So, um, you know, and Matt rule there. So, You know, here, though, he has them getting Trey Lance. Of course, this is pre-free agency. Just going through here again, you've got kind of a a run on corners, edge rushers. You've got Rashawn Slater going to San Francisco at 12. Just San Francisco just keeps bolstering their offensive line. I guess that would be the replacement for Trent Williams there. Um, You know, you've got – then you've got kind of a run on wide receivers. The two – he has the two Alabama wide receivers, Waddle going 13 first, To the Chargers, and then Devontae Smith, Heisman winner, going the very next pick to the Vikings. Man, Devontae Smith and Justin Jefferson on the same team. That would be, and Adam Thielen, that would be crazy. Um, One of the guys I like a lot is an offensive lineman. Uh, Initially, a, a guard could kick out to tackle Elijah Vera Tucker. I'm going to Arizona at number 16. So that's another guy maybe that could be on the Bengals radar, depending on where he falls. And if the Bengals move back, Derrissaw, Christian Derrissaw, another guy who is very talented from Virginia tech going to Washington football team at 19. Um, Then you've got, you know, a couple of other guys here, edge rushers, cornerbacks, Pittsburgh, shoring up their offensive line with Jalen Mayfield, a, a kid out of Michigan. Um, and then here, Trayvon Mooring to the Ravens, a safety, pick number twenty-seven, Browns pick before Joe Tyron an edge rusher. Here's the interesting one: Mac Jones, the quarterback, going to new uh, New Orleans to replace Drew Brees. They do have Jameis Winston on that. On that roster, but it sounds like Breeze is probably going to retire. And then you've got Tevin Jenkins, a tackle for the Packers, Aziz Ojulari, Landon Dickerson, and Nick Bolton, a linebacker for the Bucks. So what was that? Five five quarterbacks, four quarterbacks in the first round, according to Daniel Jeremiah. But he has Panay Sewell being the pick for the Cincinnati Bengals. So that's – I that's got to be one of the I mean that really if the Bengals stay put at three it's got to be one of three players at this point you would think maybe Slater's in that discussion but you would think and maybe they like they end up liking Slater more than Sewell but you would think it's either Sewell slash Slater it's one of those two guys and then you probably have to choose you know Pitts Jamar Chase and and you kind of take those three or four names and you say who's who's left. And what have we done in free agency and then make that pick from there. But I think those are all the guys in that discussion or should at least be at the, you know, the whittled down, the whittled down options with that pick at number five for the Cincinnati Bengals. The fellas over at stripe hype put out a mock draft, a second, a seven round mock draft for the Cincinnati Bengals. I thought it was kind of interesting um, this is by Hunter Bittinger. Um, this was put out on Valentine's Day. Uh, basically, this is Jamar Chase and Panay Sewell off the board. So if those – and and then there, he's got a trade go, going here. Where the Bengals get pick number nine from the Broncos. The Broncos move up. Um, so there's there's some scenarios there. Round one, and doing so with that first pick, then and moving back, Rashawn Slater from Northwestern is the pick, uh, according to Hunter Bittiger, at number five for the Bengals. Um, you know, he, he notes Jer- Daniel Jeremiah as the pick there. Then he goes an interior offensive lineman from Ohio State, Wyatt Davis, a guy who is very talented. Unfortunately, the Cincinnati Bengals have not had good luck when they've drafted interior offensive linemen from Ohio state in recent years, Billy price still trying to get a stranglehold on one of the starting positions, whether it's center or guard and Trey Hopkins has easily leapfrogged him for the center position, but we may see Billy price be the guy who starts for the Bengals at, at center early in this season because of the knee injury to Trey Hopkins at the end of the year. So Wyatt Davis would be an intriguing pick. Uh, it just hopefully would break a string of some, you know, and then Michael Jordan being the other. Hopefully it would break a string of some not non-successful picks um, by the Bengals in terms of Buckeye interior offensive linemen in recent years. Joseph Osai, an edge rusher. Um, Bengals need help there, and uh, that would be – that would be. Uh, these are the two picks, by the way, in the second round, based on that trade with Denver. That's the scenario here. We'll go to round three, and we'll we'll end it here. Um, you've got Ifiatu I Hopefully, I said that right. The cornerback from Syracuse um, in the third round, and then uh, Davion Nixon, the defensive tackle out of Iowa. The Bengals need interior defensive line help. That's another sneaky need. So if you've got if you've got Gino Atkins supposedly on his way out. Josh Tupo opted out last year, so he's got to play catch up a little bit, I would think. Um, you know, potentially, I don't know whether it's getting into shape or just kind of getting back in the groove of things after taking a year off. Um, you know, you've got Renell Wren, but he missed the entire year with an injury as well, so he's got to play catch up. Um, the uh, Mike Daniels is on a is is an impending free agent. He was on a, a rental deal there, so you know, there's a lot of moving parts there in that, in that interior defensive line, the Bengals need to get some production. They need to get some health. And then of course you got DJ reader who missed most of the year too, as an interior defensive lineman, but he looked pretty productive when he was healthy. It's just a matter of the Bengals getting, um, some, some bodies in there and guys that that can stay healthy. You know, Glasgow was another guy that, uh, they, they liked for a little bit and then he just couldn't stay healthy. So, um, interior lineman, interior defensive lineman rather is a sneaky need for the Bengals. I won't go through the rest of the picks. You can check it out on stripehype.com, a seven-round mock draft with certain players off the board and trades being engaged in at stripehype.com. Uh Royal Flush 513 says why not resign Daniels at, at a bargain basement price? I I mean, I think I would think that both both sides would want the, uh, to make that happen. The Bengals could get a nice, you know, a manageable deal on a guy who's at the end of his career but still is showing productivity. And Mike Daniels, he's been on our show a couple of times. Mike Daniels has said that he loves the city of Cincinnati, and he, he seemed to really like his, his year here. Um, I mean, he had a, a, an injury but came back from that a lot quicker than a lot of people thought and you know the stat sheet doesn't doesn't jump out at you but you know he was a guy that was just productive He was very active caused pressure and uh seemed to be kind of a leader for for this team even as a guy who was only here for a year so i think a lot i think a lot of people would be fine with daniels coming in and being a rotational player you know i think to be fair to daniels too he was pressed into a role that that was not envisioned for him when they signed him you know that the 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 idea was you've got Daniels, you've got Gino. Then, you, excuse me, you've got Gino, you've got DJ Reader, and then you've got Daniels to come in and and mix up the looks and keep guys fresh, especially Gino, um, who was who was at the end of his career. But if you keep him fresh, you know he could be productive. You've got Daniels who could be productive, but it's just with all of the injuries up front, Daniels had to play a lot of different roles and a lot more snaps than they envisioned. So if they can get him back on a manageable deal and that he wants to come back here, I think that's great for both sides. And and obviously if he can still be productive and, and if they could kind of keep a manageable role for him by bolstering up the defensive line, I think, I think that's a good, that's a good way to do it. Let's keep rolling here. We've got a few more things to get to before we pop on out of here on the Tuesday, this version of the Tuesday water cooler chat. Let's go a little bit of AFC North stuff. Um, Just quickly, I'm sure everybody probably knows this, but Marquise Pouncey, the center, very good center for the uh, Steelers. He announced his retirement a couple of days ago at the end of last week, so he will no longer be there. We've talked a lot about the age. There's another... I think it was Dan Jeremiah who was talking about CBS Sports rather was talking about the issues with age on the Steelers roster aside from cap issues and whatnot. So there, there, you know, there are a couple of guys that the Steelers will be losing that they'll still be paying dead cap money to and Pouncey's one of them. So, uh, you know, great career, great, great player. For a long time that offensive line was a little uncharacteristic for the Pittsburgh Steelers though last last year they were kind of getting pushed around a little bit um and a guy that I I think could be a good good supplemental piece for the Bengals whether it's as a spot you know a a starter for the time being or you know just kind of a versatile piece Matt Filer he kind of came in and helped stabilize some things um but you know, I mean, they had some issues on the offensive line, which is very, very uncharacteristic of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Pouncy was a guy that, uh, you know, he kind of had a little bit of an up and down year, the team did very well. And I think he kind of was like, Well, this is our last run here. Oh, they were 11 and 0, and then they kind of hit the buzz saw at the end there where they lost five of their last six games. Um, and so he just he's hanging them up, and so is his twin brother as well. So, um, Mike and Marquise Pouncy are both hanging them up, they came into the league. And uh, played both played very well, had good careers, and um, there you go. So a little bit of Steelers news here. Let's go to the – this is also some Steelers news. Keeping the eyes ahead to the post-Ben Roethlisberger era, Ian Rappaport notes that the Steelers – were one of teams who sent coaches, personnel people, or area scouts to Trevor Lawrence's pro day. Now I, unless they do some major blockbuster trade or something like that, there is no way that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to end up with Trevor Lawrence, but you know, they're doing their due diligence and it just, just at least shows that they are interested in the top quarterback prospect in this year's draft and are at least doing their due diligence in terms of thinking ahead to life after Ben Roethlisberger. So they had some folks in attendance at Trevor Lawrence's Pro Day, which, by the way, if you've seen some of the highlights there, ooh, <laughs> some of the throws made there, that's uh, he's he's got talent. That is for sure. And it would not be pretty if he ended up in Pittsburgh. That would just keep the quarterback lineage going there right after Ben Roethlisberger. I do think that the the Pittsburgh Steelers will be drafting a quarterback probably pretty high this year. They let go of Duck Hodges. They've got Mason Rudolph. Ben Roethlisberger has said that he wants to rework – well, he wants to work with the team to make his contract manageable. He wants to stay in Pittsburgh. I would assume this is probably his last year, but it's Ben. We we never really know with Ben, do we? This is – a little bit of Ravens news. I I mentioned a little bit of Browns news earlier that JJ Watt has a preference to potentially head to the Browns after being released from Houston per his request. So he may end up in Cleveland and we're just kind of continuing on with some AFC North news. I think most of you know this by now, but Orlando Brown uh, is wanting out of Baltimore. He played at left tackle and played well in Ronnie Stanley's stead. Ronnie Stanley's making a, Boatload of money, and uh, you know, or they were going to move Orlando Brown back to right tackle. Orlando Brown does not want to play right tackle, not only because of paychecks, but his father was a pretty good left tackle as well in the NFL. And uh, he kind of wants to carry on that lineage, he wants to just be a left tackle and he wants to be traded. So the Ravens are probably going to be asking for quite a bit of capital in order to be able to unload that player. I don't expect there to be kind of a trade yet. I think as free agency heats up, I think as the draft potentially starts to heat up and if he's not moved, you know, these are the kinds of, of trades that yeah, they're made in free agency, but they're also made around draft time, right? Because what happens is teams kind of say, okay, well we can actually get this player at this position as a replacement. We can, send that guy off to the other team and maybe we get draft capital we can use this year for that player so you know these trades happen in free agency they happen in uh, right before the draft as well sometimes they happen in season i remember the Bengals traded for i mean it's not as high profile of a guy but he was a former first round pick kelly jennings they traded for him you know around training camp time and those things kind of happen so We'll see, but, uh, I, I don't expect, I know a lot of Bengals fans would say, oh, you know, we would love to have him in Cincinnati. Of course he would be a, a very good player and bolster the offensive line, but he would want to play left tackle. So that would mean you'd have to kick Jonah to the right. If that's what, if you're bowing to his wishes there in terms of putting, putting him as a left tackle, uh, you know the other the other thing with it is interdivisional trade i don't know that baltimore would want to trade a guy in the division to a team they see twice a year i don't i don't know that that would be in their best interest either so i just i don't know that that's going to happen for for cincinnati it would be more realistic if he was a free agent but either way it does not appear that orlando brown is going to well he he probably will not be in baltimore but it would take it's going to take a lot to get him out of there uh so we got to see what the value is there speaking of the ravens again they they love the tie getting talented players at the tight end position they love it love it love it and they are one of five teams who have reached out to the eagles about Zach Ertz. and by the way the seahawks are the same they they've had jimmy graham they've had a lot of you know talented guys, and now they want Zach Ertz. Um, it sounds like Ertz wants a reunion with Frank Reich, who is the head coach of the Colts. That would be an interesting pairing, and it's it would be it's a little surprising to hear that because Indianapolis's quarterback situation is unsettled. You know, are they going to go with Jacob Eason? I think they still got Jacoby Brissett. Phillip Rivers just announced his retirement, so are they going to draft a guy? I don't know. There's going to be a lot of quarterbacks on the move, a lot of quarterbacks retiring and all that sort of thing. We've talked about that a bit on this show. So, you know, Ertz apparently wants to go to the, the Colts, but their quarterback position unsettled. Go figure. A couple of other NFL news and notes. The Panthers are releasing Pro Bowler Kwon Short after eight seasons. Uh, this is on NFL.com. Uh, he was a very, at one point, especially in their Super Bowl run, was ended up becoming a, a pretty dominant player, one of the better uh, defensive linemen in the NFL. He was a second-round pick in 2013. But he, he had two Pro Bowls, and uh, they are – Going, you can see here, uh, Nick Shook of NFL.com writes that the Panthers got younger at the position in 2020, drafting Auburn defensive tackle Derek Brown, who was a stud stud at Auburn, and uh, six rounder uh, Bravion Roy to fill in for short. So uh, he, he played in just five games um, and has had some injury issues. It's a guy that you know, has had some, uh, his best years had some great PFF scores later had some, some not so great ones. And you if you remember here, it mentioned Star latulele another guy that was, you know, he teamed up with Quan Short and they made a dominant pair inside for the Panthers. Um, when they, you know, when Cam Newton took him to the Super Bowl, it was just a, a really good defense as well. So, um, you know they uh, they're, they're releasing him. This could be another one of those options for the Bengals if they decide maybe not to do the Mike Daniels route. Maybe he's a the guy they bring in as a a rotational player, a guy they get on a value deal. Here's the thing: I mean, if he's been battling injuries, you've been injured on that. If you're the Bengals, you've been injured on the interior defensive line. I don't know if going to a well of a of a player that's been you know battling some injuries is the best the best thing. For for the team, but um, you know it's it's an it's a name. It's a former high draft pick, and the Bengals tend to like to try and go in free agency. They tend to like going after those guys to mine what is left out of their career. You know, if they, if their prime days are behind them, maybe they can mine that out of them a little bit. Mike Zimmer was great at doing that on defense when he was a coordinator of the Bengals. So. You know, they've they've gone down that road before. We'll see if they want to continue going down that road with Kawan Short. But he is being released by the Carolina Panthers. Tom Brady, according to Bruce Arians, came to the Buccaneers to, quote, try a different way. I guess try a different way, meaning try a different way from the Patriots way. And by the way, how how annoying is the phrase the Patriots way? I just – sometimes I just hear it. You've heard it so many times over the years. It's like, ugh. Anyway, uh, Arian said um, via joebucksfan.com, I think his competitive spirit is so strong that he wanted to do it. He wanted to show people. I've never said anything bad about Bill Belichick. I know everybody tries to say I do. His record speaks for itself. He is probably the greatest one ever, but I think Brady wanted to try a different way. Um, that's kind of a, a little bit of the, the story where, you know, when Tom Brady was, was entering free agency, you were kind of like, uh, you know, in the early, when you were looking at it, um, in and, and at the end of 2019's regular season and all of that, you're going, oh, there's no way Tom Brady's going to leave the Patriots because this is where this is, it's Brady and Belichick, right? And then as the off season started to unfold and it, it, more time started to pass, you started to hear more and more about a disconnect between Brady and Belichick and that Brady just kind of wanted a fresh start somewhere. I think, you know, he kind of wanted to do the I guess a little bit of the LeBron James, Dwayne Wade thing where he can kind of rally some of the some of the names that he's either worked with in the past and, or kind of say, Hey, you know, you're talented guys. Let's go down here. Let's try and put this thing together, build an all-star team and win one. And that's what they did. You know, he got Antonio Brown, a guy who has had a a lot of issues since some of his best days in Pittsburgh. He had a, a brief cup of coffee with the Patriots and Tom Brady and Tom Brady still believed that he could help this help the Buccaneers. So they picked him up. He had a nice stretch towards the end of the season. Obviously, he recruited Gronk, or maybe even vice versa. I don't I don't know exactly how that all worked out, but he got Gronk to come out of retirement, and Gronk had a huge Super Bowl. So, you know, that's uh, – he just kind of wanted to go do it on his own, and I think that's kind of what made – I was always impressed, obviously, with Tom Brady and everything, but I think that's what was most impressive to me was just the fact that, you know, he went away from the system. He went away from the coach. And he was the one who had the, the high amount of success, whereas the coach was uh, kind of left sitting. Now, in in truth, Belichick kind of got the short end of the stick there because a lot of valuable players opted out of the season because of COVID. And, you know, the Patriots kind of were in a little bit of rebuilding mode. Even with Tom Brady under center, they just needed some more help. And, uh, you know, I, I think I think you saw at least what Tom Brady was able to mask on that team in 2019 so um yeah but he goes to tampa bay wins the super bowl and you know now you've got some kind of ooh. how does that legacy look a couple questions like that so yeah robert Rourke says only teams only two teams were interested in tom brady tampa bay and the chargers that was it unbelievable yeah I think they looked at the price tag and maybe the age. And, you know, th- that was the other thing is, you know, how, how strong is his arm at 42, 43 years old? How does he have a lot left in the tank? And there were there was – it started off pretty well. It hit some major skids in, in, like, November for the Bucks, And then they put it together, scraped together, and won three road games in the postseason and then had kind of the quote-unquote home game and, and won the Super Bowl at home which was kind of cool for them but uh yeah he just wanted a different different look I don't want to end the show on a somber note but we cannot not we 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 have to talk about this I don't want to use a double negative there we we have to talk about this Vincent Jackson three-time pro bowler former Chargers and Buccaneers receiver dies at 38 years old kind of an odd story here a sad story obviously but an also an odd one i had seen some uh reports that vincent jackson was uh, i I believe some close to him thought he was missing for a little bit they did the police found him did a welfare check on him they thought he was he was fine about two days before he passes away and he is found dead in a hotel room in the Tampa Bay area, 38 years old. He was staying at the Homewood Suites in Brandon, Florida since January 11th. Um, and so the, you, you see here this paragraph the discovery followed in, uh, an effort from police to locate and speak with Jackson just four days earlier as a res- result of a missing persons report filed by Jackson's family members. Authorities found Jackson at the Homewood su- Suites and spoke to him, assessing his well being before canceling the missing persons case. So they went in there. The family was concerned about him. He had been in there for a while. Um, they found him, located him, talked to him, and just basically said, "You know, I assume people are worried about you. Are you okay? You know, where where are you at emotionally?" And they seemed to be. The police seemed to be satisfied with what um, Jackson was telling him and what what they found out there. So um, they left, and you know, just a few days later, he was found. He was found dead in the hotel room. Now. This is interesting. There are no apparent signs of trauma in regards to Jackson's death, according to the sheriff's office. I don't like to give a lot of details on that kind of stuff because I always try and edge on the side of respecting privacy, especially when you're talking about someone's someone's death. But you that's just kind of I found that to be kind of an important aspect because you know obviously there's talk at just 38 years old and all this kind of he was staying at a hotel for a long period of time all this kind of stuff was there was suicide the factor Um, none of that's been officially announced at least that i've seen but a very sad story a very talented football player and apparently a very I, I didn't pay, uh, unfortunately, close enough attention to this. But apparently, a very good guy in the community. I read somewhere that he was doing some work with like veterans and uh, just a lot of you know very well liked guy. I know when he was playing for the then San Diego Chargers near my neck of the woods. Um, you know, he was a very well liked guy by the Chargers organization, their fans, and and all of that. A very talented guy, and um, you know, he's it's it's very sad that. At that young age, he's found, he's found dead. I'm sure more sad details will emerge, but, uh, that's, and I don't want to end on a, on a sad note. I don't want to end the show on a sad note, but, um, you know, we would be remiss if we did not mention that sad story coming out of the NFL. Well, th- I think that's going to do it for us. We went through a ton of stuff, even though it's the offseason, we still got a lot to talk about and, um, I'm happy that all of you joined us live. I'm happy that all of you if you weren't able to join us live, I'm stoked that you're downloading after the fact. I appreciate it. We will see you on Wednesday evening for the the grand show with myself and John Sheeran. We'll be doing some more listener questions live. The other thing too, please 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 if you can donate to the Ken Alliance, Ken Anderson Alliance Foundation. He was on our show recently. We are scraping together our own big donation to get some cool swag that we are going to give out to some listeners. We're going to kind of see how that works out there, but if you can make a donation, please to the Ken Anderson Alliance Um, note our show or Cincy jungle, if you will. Um, Ken's a great guy. He's been on our show a couple of times we want to support the great cause that they're doing there. So uh, please do so. And, uh, We'll We'll be getting some swag to give out and we'll have we'll have a fun episode where we'll giving out that stuff. But anyway, thanks everybody. Take it easy. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll talk to you soon and good day.